Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, welcome to week two of The Table. Go with me to Psalms 23. says this, the Lord is my shepherd. How many say, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd? He's my guide. He's the one leading me through my life. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, to shield me. I shall not want. Why? Because I'm with the shepherd. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my life. He leads me on the path of righteousness for whose sake? For his sake. Even though I walk through the sunless valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod protects me, your staff guides me, and they comfort and they console me. You prepare what? A table in the presence of what? My enemies. In the presence of darkness, in the presence of chaos, in the, pe- in the presence of turmoil, and the enemy lurking, prowling, looking to devour, that's where you'll meet Jesus. He'll set a table in the presence of your enemy, and he will anoint and refresh your head with his oil, which means the Holy Spirit. And my cup overflows. What a great word. Do you know that the believers should be full of joy, that believers should be happy, that believers shouldn't be heavy-hearted all the time and discouraged and upset and downtrodden, that believers should be overflowing with the joy of the Lord, causing others to go, oh, I want that life. I need that life. I need those perspectives. I need that understanding. I need that kind of joy. I need some happiness in my life because there's none in my life. I need what you got, right? You overflow. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell forever throughout all my days in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. All right, verse two. He leads me where? Beside still and quiet waters. Why does he lead us to still water? Because when he leads us there, he wants us to learn something about his nature and his character. Now, I want you to write this down. The nature and the character of Jesus the Good Shepherd is to provide and to protect. To provide and protect. Now, you should have shouted right there. You should have been like, yeah, come on. I don't have to provide all the time. I don't have to do all the work all the time. Come on. Yes, Lord. Provide and protect. Now, how many of you would say that you've had a relationship or friendship or kind of a relationship at one point in your time in your life that you were like, I knew that person didn't want the best for my life, right? I mean, you're cursing them in your head right now, right? You think about it, you're like, oh, that's so-and-so, right? Why do I bring that up? Because it's really important to understand who you're connected with, who you're gonna do life with. 
So if you're going to do life with Jesus, the good shepherd, you better know his nature and his character, right? You better know that he is for you and not against you. You better know that he is a good father that brings good things to your life from heavenly perspective. So his nature and character is to what? To provide and to protect. And in that, he leads you to what? Peaceful waters. Because we're a bunch of sheep. Bah! Bah! Right? Sheep that wander off. Sheep that do what they want. Do what they feel. Can I get an amen from anybody? Right? Sheep. They get caught up in their feelings and their emotions. Sheep that go, oh, look at that grass. Look at what's on the other side of the fence. And they get lost. And Jesus says, I got to take them to still waters because they can't get next to rushing water. Because when sheep bend down to drink the water, the water has got to be still because there's so much wool around their neck. It's about five pounds of wool around their neck. And if they get next to a rushing water, the water will rush up and get the wool wet. And if any of you have ever felt wet wool, try saying that three times fast, right? Wet wool. You know it is like a dead body. It's heavy. Isn't that such an interesting picture of how a lot of us come into church on Sunday? Man, we're heavy. We've been next to rushing water. The wool around our neck got all heavy, right? And if it gets too heavy, what happens? It will actually pull them into the current. So today, I want to talk about a current, a strong water, not that the Lord leads us to, but actually the enemy Right? The enemy has one purpose in mind. He wants to pull up a seat at your table. He wants to pull up a seat at your dinner, your moment with the Lord. And he wants to steal your thoughts, your attention, your heart from the Lord. He's got one purpose in mind. And the strong current I want to talk about today is called the spirit of offense. Spirit of offense, being offended. You're like, I'm not offended. Right? If I went around this room and asked you individually, are you offended? You'd be like, no, I'm not offended. Who do you think I am? You know what I mean? Like, I'm offended at you for asking me that question. Right? Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus. He said, and then many will be offended he didn't say a little. He said a lot. And if you know anything about Matthew chapter 24, he's actually talking about the time that we live in called the end days. And I'm going to be real clear with you. I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. We're actually living in the last hours of the end days. So he said, in those days, what would happen? Many, a lot, would be what? Offended. They'll betray one another. They'll hate one another. The Passion Version puts it this way. Many will stop following me. Isn't that interesting? Well, now we're not talking about the world. We're talking about you and I, the believers. 
So many of them will actually stop following me in the end days, the end times. They'll fall away. And they'll betray one another and hate one another. I believe this is one of the greatest tools of the enemy to steal you away, right? Because he, he wants to do what? He wants to rob, steal, cheat, kill your life. He wants to steal you from the table. And this is one of the greatest tools that he is currently using right now, the spirit of offense. So I want you to hear what the spirit of offense sounds like, okay? I want you to hear what, and I'm gonna even go as far to say what the demonic sounds like. Because let's make this clear. The spirit of offense is not the spirit of God. So what does that mean? It comes from one place, it's called hell. The spirit of offense will sound like this. Can you believe what Stacy said? Right? Can you believe what so-and-so said about you? Can you believe the words that came out of their mouth about you? Get your, get my name out of your mouth, right? Smack the taste out of you, right? How did you not get invited? Man, this is a big one. Because here's what's funny. Is like 20 years ago, you would not even know that you weren't invited. Did you know that? That 20 years ago, there was all kinds of parties and gatherings and all kinds of things happening that you didn't even know about, and you never got offended by it. But now, we're all up in everybody's business. We're all up in Twitter, and we're all up, or was it X now? Or, you know, we're all up in TikTok, and we're all up into everybody's lives, and we see every party, and we're like, wait, wait, so-and-so's there, and -and so-and-so's there, and that person, how did I not get invited? How did I not get an invite? The spirit of offense will sound like, man, Jake blew you off. Can you believe he blew you off like that? Spirit of offense will sound like, pastor doesn't know your life. Ooh, we're getting real now, right? Pastor doesn't know your life. How dare he say that from the stage? Right? How dare pastor say that? Well, I'm sorry. I'm just reading the word of God. It's not my words. Spirit of offense will always think, oh, man, they always have better parties and trips and landscaping. I mean, it's just everything's better, right? Spirit of offense will always tell you, you deserve better. No matter what you have, you deserve better. Spirit of offense will always say, how did your family do that to you? How did they talk to you like that? How did they make that decision? The spirit of offense will always think, uh, I'm always overlooked, You're not seen, you're not heard, you're not understood. And just like that, the enemy, the devil, is at your table, and now, instead of your attention being on Jesus, your attention's on him. And you're like, yeah, I am overlooked. Yeah. How how did that person say that about me? Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe they acted that way. I can't believe they acted out of pocket that way. I can't believe this. And all of a sudden, he's in your thoughts, he's in your mind, and you are all up in your feelings. And just like that, he does what? He separates you from the table with what? The spirit of offense. Everything gets filtered through this. 
All of a sudden, man, you're angry, right? You got to tell the world you're angry. Tell the world that you're bitter, you're offended, you're dying inside. See, here's what's so crazy about the spirit of offense. You will hate that person or hate them, but they're all in reality, you're the one dying inside. They're not. They don't even know. You're the one dying inside, holding this bitterness and this anger and this offense. Yet they're living their life in peace and joy. And you're dying. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit today. And what I mean allow, I mean we're actually going to give him the ability to say, Holy Spirit, come on, come lead me now. Help me understand if I'm in the spirit of offense. Because here's the deal. 99% of you today would have told me you are not in the spirit of offense. But I think there's a lot of us here today. If we really understand the spirit of offense, we would see that the enemy has taken us from the table and he has trapped us. Point number one today is this. Offended people are judgmental. Ooh, child. I said it, and I meant it. Offended people are judgmental people. They're always critical. They always have some critical response. They always have a little one-liner. They always have a little slight. They always have a little thing. They got to inject their opinion. They're judgmental. They're critical. Why? Because they're offended. Judgmental, offended people always believe that God is using them to correct somebody else. Can I just say something? Get out of everybody's business. You're not God. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let him do his job. You're not God. But somehow you believe you're God to correct that person or correct that situation or bring justice to this moment. Offended, judgmental people, they always are negative. How do I know this? Because this was my mom growing up. I call my mom, hey mom, how you doing? And just so you know, I didn't grow up with my mom. A lot of stuff happened in my childhood. I would call up my mom. I'd be like, Mom, how you doing? She'd be like, well, this broke again. Well, this is going wrong. Jeffrey, I don't have enough money. Jeffrey, you know, the doctor thinks that this is wrong. Jeffrey, you know, the neighbors, they're being loud. Jeffrey, it was always negative. And she was always offended by somebody or something. Can I even say this to go even as far, uh, even when good things happened, she was still offended. Still negative. Offended people are judgmental people, and they always have judgmental, offended friends. Here's a test. I'm going to give you a test to take. Do you know somebody that you have a friendship with, and you're like, oh, yeah, you're thinking about them right now, and they're judgmental. You're thinking, man, they are so judgmental. Well, so are you then. Oh, man, birds of a feather flock together, right? Judgmental people don't hang out with positive people. They hang out with what? Other critical, judgmental people, right? Because they're all full of criticism. 
They all think that they're the smartest people in the room all the time. That their idea is the best idea, 100% of the time. Offended, judgmental people, here's their classic line. This is a classic line. I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't have said it that way. Welcome to my life, right? See, you think when I'm making a decision for Elevate Church that I'm making it just based on you and your family and your opinion. I'm sorry, there's over 700 people that call Elevate Church home. I'm making a global decision, a big decision with the help of the Father, the Holy Spirit that sees things that you don't always see. But as soon as I make a decision that you don't like, trust me, I'm gonna hear my critics and I'm gonna hear all my judges. It'll make you think twice about talking. Because I promise I'll hear it. I know it. Because why? You're offended. How did pastor make that decision? Offended people are judgmental people. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Refuse. Just refuse. Just put an end to it. Say no more. We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to be this anymore. We're not going to talk like this anymore. We're not going to think like this anymore. We're not going to see life this way anymore. He says, refuse. Refuse what? To be critical towards others. Refuse it. it. Make it a thing in your home. We don't talk about others like that. Because here's what he says. For you'll be judged. You'll be judged by the same standard you use to judge others. The same measurement you use on them will be used on you. Jesus is going real clear. You're gonna reap what you sow. You're gonna reap what you sow. And can I go as far to say this? Even when the doors are closed and nobody else is hearing, the Lord's watching. Right? Jesus says, why would you focus on the flaws of somebody else? This is so troubling. You know what the most troubling part of social media is for me right now? I just did a social media fast, and it was the best thing, like just the best. I promise you, it was so freeing. My thoughts were more clear. My mind was more clear. It was so freeing to just get off of social media because here's the thing that I hate the most. It's just everybody going, you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong and you're doing this wrong and I'm right and I'm right and I'm right. And you know what the worst part about it is? Is this. It's the church we got all these denominations, all these different people groups going, we're right and they're wrong. How dare they believe that? How dare they say that? Jesus says this, why are you so focused on everybody else? Why are you so concerned all the time about what everybody else has to say? Why are you so focused on their life? Why are you living in this comparison all the time? Getting offended, getting in your feelings. Why are you focused on this? On someone else's life? And fail to notice the glaring flaws in your own? God, help me not be this. 
I mean, seriously, God, help me not to be that person that is so focused on everybody else's mistakes, and I can't even see my own junk. Because here's the deal. You all got junk. And how do I know this? The Bible said it. Right? Point number two is this. Offended people are insecure people. Offended people are insecure people. And let me speak as somebody who has dealt with a lot of insecurity in my own life. Sometimes the most boisterous, loud people that look the most confident are actually some of the most insecure people. Right? Offended people are insecure. Why? Because they're insecure because they feel like their whole life they've been overlooked. Been overlooked. Now, if you're listening to the voice of the enemy, he'll tell you every day, in every way, how you've been overlooked. How did you not get that parking spot? That's a believer's parking spot, right? I love when people do that to me. Like, oh, we got a believer spot. I'm like, really? You think God gave us a parking spot today? Good for you. God bless your heart, right? I mean, he'll get you all worked up about all kinds of stuff in your life, right? He'll get your thinking all messed up. He'll get you real insecure real quick. You know, offended people are insecure because they were never the most popular. They were never the most athletic. I get this. I mean, I was on the team, but I wasn't going D1. You know, in this day and age, that's a hard pill to swallow. Your kid's not the best. I mean, how many offended parents are at baseball games and soccer games and basketball games? offended and angry. I saw a video the other day at a basketball game. These, the, the dad and the ref started like, I mean, they were, I mean, they were like, they were throwing down. And the kids, man, they're like slapping each other's butts and like running around. They don't even know what's going on, right? Offended. Offended because you don't have enough money. You're offended because you feel like you're not smart enough. You're offended because of daddy issues. This is every Disney princess movie there is. They all have daddy issues, right? Truth. Offended people are insecure. And in their insecurity, they're always looking for somebody to validate them. And then when people don't validate them, they get more insecure and they get more offended. And when you're insecure and you're looking for people to validate you all the time, that's when people fail you all the time. And they fail you all the time because God never intended for them to validate you all the time. Right? You get offended in friendships. You get offended in your marriage because your spouse, you think your spouse. Can I just say to all the married folk in here, listen, your spouse is not designed to complete you. They're not. God is. 
Can I say to everybody that has a friendship and you think that person is just failing in that friendship and is letting you down all the time, cut them some slack, give them some grace. God never intended for them to be your all in all. And so when people can't live up to that, and listen, can I just say this too? I can't live up to that. Can I just be publicly on the record and just say, as the pastor of Elevate Church that's pastoring 700 people, I can't, I can't be that for you all the time. I'm sorry. I want to be. You see me, I run around here with my head you know, cut off like a chicken, trying to love everybody and hug everybody and encourage everybody and let you know that Jesus is for you and that the enemy's not gonna win. And I'm really trying my best, but I can't do it. And if, you, if you're gonna hold me to that standard, I promise you I'm gonna fail you and then you're gonna be offended and then you're gonna walk away from Jesus. Offended people are insecure people. And a lot of times they're insecure because of the trauma in their past. Right? I, I get it. I got a lot of trauma. I got dad issues. I got mom issues. I got death issues. I got poor issues. You want to talk about issues? I got them in my past. I promise you. But at some point in time, you gotta let Jesus touch it. You gotta sit down at the table with him and go, hey, let me talk to you about my deadbeat dad that walked out of me. I wanna talk to you about how I'm offended and I'm hurt and I'm frustrated. But we don't do that. We don't allow God into our life. And so we get offended and we get insecure. Ephesians chapter three, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. Meaning what? As you sit down at the table. Come sit at the table. As you sit at the table, Christ will make his home, where? In your heart. God, I want that. I really want that. I really want, I really want the Holy Spirit. I really want God the Father. I really want Jesus to feel so comfortable that he can make his home in my heart. This is where he belongs. It says your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. I was talking to the guys that cut all the grass here at the church the other day. They were here, and I was just talking and loving on them, and, and we were talking about the tree of life out there, okay? If you don't know what the tree of life is, just open your eyes as you walk out the door today, and you will see the tree of life, okay? And we were talking about it, the root system, and he said to me, he said, yeah, I guarantee you that roots probably go 20 feet out from that tree, that tree is so big. Why does that root system need to go so deep and so far out? Because when the storms come and the lightning comes and the wind comes and the snow comes, that tree's got to be able to stand, right? Because I can't protect you. God can't protect you from the storm all the time. The storms of life are going to happen. Jesus can't protect you from getting offended People are gonna do you wrong. 
People are people. They're going to make poor decisions. And unless you have some roots that go down deep in the love of God where you can draw his encouragement, you can draw his life, you can draw his support, you're going to fall. Verse 18, may you have the power to understand, as God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ that's too great to fully understand. And then you'll be made complete. How are you made complete? At the table. Gosh. Oh, man. I just say, your job's not going to complete you. And I'm not telling you not to be successful. Hear my heart. Hear me out. I want you to be successful because I want people to look at your life and look at the success on your life and equate it to Jesus. I really do. We need that. But for you to believe and to think that more influence, more power, more money is going to complete you. I'm sorry, it's not. I'm sorry if you believe that relationship is going to complete you. I'm sorry if you believe that that, that, that next thing, that next trip, that next car, whatever you want to call it, is going to complete you. It's not. The only thing that's going to complete you is you at the table with Jesus. When you look into his eyes and you see his love and his passion for you, that, that's what will complete you. That's what's going to make you whole. I don't care how many likes you get. I don't care if you become the greatest influencer this world has ever seen. It's not going to complete you. Point number three, offended people are unforgiving people. They're just unforgiving. Their heart is hard. Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter approached Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer? I love that he didn't say the world. (laughs) He's talking about us, the church, believers. Why? Because somebody's going to say something about you they shouldn't say, even in the church. Somebody's going to do something in the church. Somebody's going to offend you some way, somehow, in the church. He said, how many times do I have to forgive them? Seven times? Jesus answered, no, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, in your earthly human flesh, there's no way for you to do this. The only way you could possibly ever understand forgiveness is through my grace, my strength. Because you're going to have to learn to forgive sometimes like hourly. Every time a critical thought comes to you, a negative thought comes to you, 
about that person or that situation, you're going to have to go, Lord, I, I choose to forgive them. I know I forgave them 45 minutes ago, but I choose again to forgive them. Anybody who's ever been married for any length of time understands that you have to be super proficient in this. Forgiveness is not easy. It's a choice. And you only can do it if you've been at the table with the Lord and you know his grace. You know his love. You know his mercy. You know it. You've been with him. And then you have it in you and you can extend it. The lesson of forgiveness in the heavenly realm, Jesus said, can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had a servant who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle his accounts on each of them. He began the process and he came to his attention that one of the servants owed him a billion dollars. B with B, B billion. This is a picture of us. Do you know that your sin it's a, it's a billion dollar debt. Your offense, your anger, your bitterness, your failures, your mistakes, it's a debt that you can't, what, you can't pay it back? How do you pay back a billion dollars? Can't pay it back. So he summoned the servant before him, pay me what you owe. The servant was unable to pay the debt. The king ordered him to be sold into slavery. <laughs> what does this look like? That's hell. Right? That's hell. You can't, you can't pay back. It's not by your works. It's not by what you can do. So sell them into slavery with the wife and the children because here's what's so interesting. Whatever affects the father affects the wife and the children. Right? It's just, it's just, it just flows down from the head. Every possession he owned to be paid back towards the debt. And the servant threw himself face down at the master's feet and begged for what? For mercy. That's what, that's what the table is about. Lord, I, I, I really messed up this time. I was, Lord, I was just really tired, and I, I got emotional, and, I, and, I, and I, I just lashed out, Lord, and I am so sorry. I am so sorry. That's what the table is for. He throws himself. And, and on verse 27, hearing his pleas, the king, Jesus, King Jesus, had what? Compassion. And he tells him, your debt is canceled. This is such a beautiful picture. This is mercy. This is grace. This is the righteousness of Christ. This is what he accomplished on the cross. This is why when we get into this room, we should be doing cartwheels and flips and, and screaming and yelling because we can't believe that our debt is paid. We can't believe that this billion dollar debt that we owed has been canceled. 
It's unbelievable. It's so good. It's sometimes too good to be true. But here's what I love. Verse 28. No sooner. Right? So we come into the room on Sundays. We get his grace. We get his love. We get his goodness. He, he pours out his love on us. And then no sooner than we get to the car. No sooner than we get back to life on Monday. No sooner than Sunday afternoon on social. No sooner. What happens? He met one of his other servants. The man that just was forgiven met one of his servants that owed him 20,000. His response should be like, bro, we're good. We're good. Don't, even, don't trip. Don't worry about it. We're all good. But you know what he did? I'm going I'm to show you the spirit of the fence right here. You want to see the spirit of the fence? He seized him by the throat. Because when you're offended, it is as if you wish that person was dead. When you have the spirit of offense on you, the things that you think in your heart, and Jesus said, if you think it, you've done it. The things that you think about that, the things that you would say in your heart to that person. It says he seized them by the throat and demanded what? You pay me now what I'm owed. See, offended people, I didn't even have time to go through all these. Offended people are always defensive people. Right? You can't ever have a normal conversation with them because every conversation is filtered through the spirit of offense. So everything they hear, every conversation, every word is always filtered through offense. And they're defensive about everything, every conversation. Offended people are a broken record. They're always talking about the injustice of the past. They're always talking about the things that happened in their past. They're always talking about everything that's wrong all the time. Nothing is ever right. They're always focused on what? Negative, 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 because they're, they're, they're hurt. Offended people are manipulative people. Write this down. They will use passive aggressive tactics, anger, being quiet to manipulate you emotionally to get you on their side. Did you know that manipulation does one thing? Manipulated people come to the table where you're sitting and the enemy, <laughs> the enemy, he doesn't even have to show up to the table sometimes because he'll take your friend to the table. He'll take a family member to the table. He'll take somebody who is offended and they will manipulate you, right, through feelings and emotions. They'll manipulate you and take you away from Jesus. Because they're always right, right? Because they're, they're offended. Offended people are vengeful people. They're always looking to get back. They're always looking for the people that they're frustrated or angry or disappointed in. They're looking for them to fail because when they fail, they feel like they've won. It, this stuff is deep. It is dark. 
It is demonic. And where does this all lead? I'll show you where it leads. Matthew 24, verse 10. And then many will be offended. Many will betray one another and hate one another. I want you to ask yourself, is there somebody I hate right now? Let me rephrase it. Is there somebody you're offended with? Because Jesus equates hate with offense. So if you're offended by somebody, that means you hate that person. Verse 11, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Who's he talking about? He's talking about people on social media that have a spirit of offense on them. I challenge you, ask the Holy Spirit, show me people who I shouldn't follow. Show me people that you don't want me to connect with. I guarantee you'll start scrolling social media and the Lord will go this one and this one and this one and block and and don't follow them and get them out of here, right? We think that false prophets are always like a preacher. No, no, they're your friends or your family sometimes. They're people that you're connected to that are leading you away from the table. Taking you away from the table. And because lawlessness... That's what a spirit of offense is, lawlessness. Lawlessness that just goes, I don't care. I'll do what I want, I'll do how I feel. This is how I feel, this is my truth, right? Lawlessness will abound, and the love of many will grow cold. And Jesus is not talking about the world, he's talking about the church. He said many in the church, they're gonna get offended. And and can I just say, can I say something? Hear, Hear my heart too. If you have past church hurt, I'm sorry that happened. I really am, and the Lord is too. But can I say this? Those people, they are not Jesus. Let me say that again. Those people that hurt you, past church hurt, they are not Jesus. They are not the Son of God. So stop, stop, stop. Stop this idea of like, well, I'm just not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not going to do anything anymore because I got hurt. Well, it wasn't the Lord that hurt you. It was people. Let go of the offense. Let go of the bitterness. Can I just say this too? It wasn't our church. People carry their church, church hurt into our church and then project it on me like I did it. I didn't do it. And can I even say this? If I've offended you, I'm sorry. I I promise you I didn't mean it. I promise you. Last point is this, endure. Verse 13, but those who endure to the end will be saved. Those, Those who keep coming back to the table. Those who keep coming back to the shepherd, those who keep coming back home to the table, it says those will be saved. So how do we remove the spirit of offense off of our life? Well, Psalms 23 verse five tells us, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemy, in the presence of offense. You prepare a table for me and you anoint my head with oil. What is the oil? It's the Holy Spirit. He anoints you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rains down on you, okay? And it says, my cup runneth over. 
Let, let me show you this way. Psalms 30, verse five, it says, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. So this is what happens. We come back to the table and we're like, Lord, I give you my bitterness. I give you my pain. I give you my trauma. I give you the, that thing that person said. I give you that offense. I give you that judgment. I give you my unforgiveness, Lord. I give it to you. And then he goes, all right, we're gonna trade. You're gonna give me your sorrow because guess what? There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of heaviness. There's a lot of pain in the spirit of offense. And he goes, you give me that and guess what I'm gonna give you? I'm gonna give you my joy. I'm gonna give you my oil. I'm gonna give you my spirit. I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna take you above the clouds. I'm gonna give you strength that you did not have before at the table. He said, we'll trade. Pain for joy, joy in the Lord, peace in the Lord, grace in the Lord, love in the Lord. Oh my gosh. Psalms 30, verse 11. For you've turned my mornings into joyful dancing. I know I can't dance. Don't even trip. I know I can't. I'll, listen, I'll dance in the presence of the Lord. I'll get down in the presence of the Lord. Right? Why? Because in the presence of the Lord, there is freedom. You'd be looking at me over here. Why is Pastor Jeff dancing and jumping? Because there's freedom. There's joy. There's hope. There's peace. There's grace. I'm trading my sorrow for joy. I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go of people. I'm letting go of frustration. I'm letting go of offense and trading it in for joy. Why don't you stand up? I want you to close your eyes. And if you are comfortable, I want you to raise your hands to heaven. And I want you to start forgiving people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a few seconds just to start forgiving people. Forgiving, forgiving, come on. you to say this to me. I want you to say, I renounce the spirit of offense. Come on, say, I renounce it. I want nothing to do with it. I renounce it off of my life. Come on, tell the Lord, I forgive those people. I forgive my family. I forgive my ex. I forgive my boss. I forgive 
my wife, I forgive. My, my husband, I forgive. I forgive that friend. I forgive those people when we were growing up. I forgive that person who overlooked me. I forgive them. I forgive that person who's been bullying me. I forgive that person on social media that's always throwing shade my way. I forgive them, Lord. I let it go. Come on, tell the Lord, say, Lord, I let go of bitterness. Come on, tell him, I let go of anger. I let go of malice in my heart. I let go of this bitterness in me. I let go of it. Now raise your hand if you want joy. Come on, raise them high. I want the joy of the Lord. Come on, tell the Lord, Lord. God, we thank you for the joy of the Lord. We thank you that the joy, the joy of the Lord, knowing you, being at the table with you, your love, your grace, your forgiveness, it's the joy of the Lord. That is our strength, is our hope, is all that we need. Father, I release joy, 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 laughter, peace, grace, hope. The Lord says, start hoping again. Stop believing on me again. Stop looking through the lens of offense. Stop looking through the lens of your past. Start looking through the lens of me and you'll wake up in the morning with joy. You'll wake up in the morning with hope. You'll wake up in the morning with true peace. You'll wake up with a strength that you didn't have before, but now you have it because you got my joy. Lord, we thank you for your joy. We thank you for your hope. We praise you. We praise you. Come on, say, I let go of the past. Say, I let go of the past. I let go of the past. I leave it at the feet of Jesus. I let go. I let go. I let go. God, fill us with joy. Come on, fill us with joy.